This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation, welcome back to PTBN's NBA Team Podcast. Now we welcome you to 2023, uh, new year, but the season's not new. I mean, there are some new developments, uh, mostly involving, because we said at the end of the show of the last episode um, that the stars just seem to be like chalking up ridiculous stats, and (laughs) uh, we got a couple we could talk about. Um, I am Andrew Reesh, I'm one of your co-hosts here. Uh, I am joined by Adam Murray. Uh, hey, Adam. Um, Luka Doncic. Um, he had an okay week. I mean, how many times are we going to have? Well, we have stat lines that nobody has ever produced. Wilt has never produced a, you know, sixty yeah, twenty we, and. Well, well now that remember Embiid against Orlando was that that was the first time I want to say since Chamberlain, correct? The one he yeah. had where he had 58 and uh, like 20 or something like that. Something like that. And then, you know, then uh, we'll, we'll just stick with Luca before I automatically okay. uh, yeah, instantly there's a, derail. There's another history maker that happened just recently, but it's kind of buried beneath all the headlines involving Giannis. But let's hit the Luca one. So this is funny. You completely forget because of the Knicks game, which we'll focus on, about the fact that he played the Rockets about a couple days before that. And he had 50 points, eight rebounds, and 10 assists, and a game-winning, like, long-range three uh, to beat the Rockets. Yes, the Rockets are still struggling. I believe they're still worst, the worst record in the league. But wins are wins. And the Mavericks seem to be almost, like, leaning on Luka to the nth degree. Uh, you look at these box scores, and it's just all him. Like, Hardaway has a good game. Christian Woods is still really productive off the bench. But it's really all Luka. They have the Christmas game. They win. Uh, they scored 51 points in the third quarter. I don't know what that says about the Lakers. They have been winning some games now that LeBron seems to be getting into his bag. Maybe it was because it was his birthday and he was feeling froggy. He had a really good game against the Hawks. But anyways, the Mavericks win that one. Then they play the Knicks on um, on Tuesday, December 27th. And I'm just going to hit you with the line right off the bat. I'm not even going to talk about the heroics at the end. 60 points. 21 rebounds, 10 assists, 21 of 31 from the field, 16 made free throws. That is the second 60-point triple-double in NBA history. The Harden did it a few years ago, and it's the first 60-point, 20-rebound triple-double in NBA history. Imagine if he had somebody else on his team. (laughs) It's just, that's everything. It's just like, it's like, it's like Jordan in the late 80s. Like, you can't. That's the way it's designed. It's all him. But imagine, like, if he had any help whatsoever, because, you know, like you said, Christian Wood provides, um, he's been quite, he's been good, mm-hmm. to, say, to say the least. But just everyone else, it's just there's nobody around him really doing anything, and he's uh, having to score 50 and 60 every night, and just having these insane lines for just the, for the Mavs to be competitive. And it's just like, man, their GM kind of blows. Yeah. <laughs> Nico Harrison, yeah. I mean, they we already talked about in the last episode how they picked up Kevin Walker. Their defense is good. They make they take a lot of threes, which was just the, basically the same design for which they were successful last season. Um, they're just the usage. I haven't looked at the usage rate or percentage compared to last year for the Mavs. I would have to assume it's higher than it was last year. 
Um, but they <laughs> like PR, I, I'm not going to try to get into the metrics of it, but basically when you're in the seventies, you're having an awesome game. Lucas was 109, 109. Like that's breaking the odometer on the PER. That's ridiculous. Do you want to focus at all about what the Knicks did wrong in that last possession with the, with the intentionally missed free throw or just the way they choked that the nine point lead in the last 30 seconds? Um, you can, you can take either or like the miss free throw. Like how do you, well, you know, that was beautifully done by Luca. He just grazed the rim. If that hits backboard, for those who don't know, if that only hits backboard, that's a turnover. That's a dead ball turnover. Yeah. You know, so it just like, <laughs> you just lucky, bounce, lucky bounce. I don't know what else to say. You know? Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> oi. Go on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just out of loss for words about Luca. It's just, just got like, him. It, it's one, like I said, it was, yeah, the crazy good shot, then it, the fade away, falling down to tie it up. And then the Knicks just couldn't do it. And then, you know, he did it again the other night um, where he had a, the, the missed free throw and got his own rebound and scored again. It's just he is completely on another level right now that. Uh, do you, do you feel confident about him as the MVP, or do you think it's a? I still think it's a very competitive race between him, Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid, to, and Tatum. I think it's very competitive right now. Uh, it's too early to tell because you could just give it Luca based on now. But oh yeah, Giannis will win, and Jokic is having back to crazy stat lines again. So mm-hmm. he started off kind of slow, and also now up oh, here's another triple double. Here's another triple double. Here's another triple double, and. They're, it's, they're all making it so insanely, like, it's funny when you have, like, Embiid, who's like, yeah, you're not even in the top three right now. Oh, well, these guys, these three are just on such crazy levels. Now, Embiid's number one in the scoring race. It's very close between him and Luka. It's like 33.7 and 33.6. And then the next tier is Giannis and SGA and Jason Tatum. We already mentioned Giannis and Tatum kind of in that MVP tier um Giannis had one that kind of no like I mentioned that nobody really talked about but it's it's historic um he had the first back-to-back 40.20 rebound game since Moses Malone in 1982 he won MVP that year by the way so Giannis is on a tear the Bucks are good they're still second in the um conference behind um uh, the Celtics, who they lost to on Christmas Day, it was a, it was a, it, it was a blowout on paper, but I thought it was a pretty good game between both teams. Um, but Milwaukee's doing well. The Celtics are still there. The Cavs are still trucking along. It feels like the East was basically the same, other than the Knicks, kind of like fluctuating between the play in and the being a, a certified playoff team. Because they've had a couple of weird games like the Mavericks game, but they've also had a couple of games where they did win. Julius Randle, I will say, has been playing really well. Well, the thing about the East is everybody's sort of you have, you know, Orlando, Charlotte, and Detroit are just god awful. Mm-hmm. Washington looks to be going the god awful route. Well, so Beals you, out again with the hamstring. So, <laughs> so. You, you really just have Chicago and Toronto of who are gonna sort of BV, eh, we kind of need to rebuild. Let's just start selling off pieces. Um, yeah. And then everybody else is sort of slotted in where they are. And Or you could just wait for Indiana and be like, hey, you know, we weren't supposed to be this good. We weren't supposed to be competitive. And they could start going down. The West, like we had the, we said the last episode, still completely 
you have one bad week, you go from first to seventh, and then you could go from fifth to out. So it just depends upon the week out there. So who, who even knows? Yeah, like, for example, right now, the Pelicans. So the Pelicans, they were in fourth. They jumped to first. Uh, then they went back down to fourth. Now they're tied at first with um, the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets are on a tear. They did have a game where they lost on the road late against um, – against the Kings, but that Christmas game against the Suns was probably the best game of the slate. So that was fantastic. Uh, the Aaron Gordon dunk in overtime dunk of the year so far. Oh yeah. I don't, okay. I don't so far. I, mean, I don't really pinned him like in a wrestling match. Uh, uh, like Landry Shaman. Just straight up. Just Landry. Shaman, just, thanks. Thanks for playing. You're that's, that's, uh, do you hate the fact that everything's going to replay when they do posters because of the fact that it's 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 a whistle foul type of situation and they have to go to the monitor and it kind of stops play? I've become just so accustomed to it where the play just gets so dragged down and you all rhythm is gone and everything. It's just like, up oh, here's another replay. Here's I think the replay. networks love it because it stops the game so that they can show the replay a million times. I don't think they care. But um, but that was my favorite game that I saw of the of the Christmas slate. You know, Curry didn't play against the Grizzlies, but the Warriors did win. Jordan Poole's been playing pretty well. He's had a couple stinkers, but overall, you know, he's been trying to carry them in the backcourt. The the Warriors are kind of sneaking back in it. They're ninth right now, which would be the play in. Um, and you know, and then the other teams are seem stable at the West, like um. Like uh, the Clippers, you know, they drop one here. They win one there. I've mentioned the Grizzlies. The Kings are still fifth. Um, the Mavericks are being absolutely fucking carried by Luka Doncic. So the one that's a the one that's a little bit of a question mark, but I think they'll bounce back is the Phoenix Suns. They seem to be on the slide. Yeah, Phoenix is sort of, I don't know, Phoenix is having just still very Jekyll and Heidi type games where, Everybody hates Eaton. Everybody loves him. And then Booker goes, Booker's out for a month. And then, well, Chris Paul can't carry the team. And they're not, you know, remember the first few games, like, oh, they're super dominant. They're destroying everybody. Then, yeah, they kind of, they kind of middled out real quick. Yeah, they lost um, for their last five. They did win in Memphis, so that's a that's a legitimately good win. Um, but yeah, the Booker got a groin injury. He's out for he literally. I I don't remember which game. I want to say, I want to say it was either the Denver game or the Memphis game. But literally, like four minutes in, he pulled up, and it was like, oh oh, and and so now you got no Booker and Cam Johnson's not back yet. So you're down to your to your five or six most important players like that's that's pretty significant um the, the the like we don't mention the kings like sabonis had a hand injury but he's back uh they seem to be feeling pretty good about themselves the pels zion had a really awesome game against uh, i think it was minnesota where he scored the last 14 points for the pels so he's feeling it a little bit and uh they're they're just playing really well um I'm I'm happy with what I'm seeing. I think I think New Orleans just on the local side is starting to feel it a little bit because of the fact that uh, we they I think they sold out the game against the Sixers uh, and it was it was a hotter ticket than the Saints, which is usually not. Well, the Saints are just really. Um, I believe they ended their sellout streak this year, and they're they're basically an unwatchable team. Um, Thanks a lot.
<laughs> I, I've caught a little bit of it, and it's just like we we know this is the end of of of, of well, you know, Allen's going to stay, but the offensive coordinator who uh, Lombardi, he's going to be gone quite yeah. fast. It's not, then. it's not the end for the Pelicans, though. I think it's just the beginning. I hope so. Pelicans are starting until until Zion just needs to stay healthy because he's in the Embiid. Oh, he's dominant, but he has that. Um, fragile label on him so we yeah. need him but to McCollum had a game where he hit 11 threes that's a franchise record just um just good vibes good vibes the Pacers because I I was just thinking about them um they're as kind of a surprise too and on the eastern side um they're not bad I'm gonna say man they're not bad I think Halliburton carries them a lot Miles Turner in terms of his production is a little up and down because, you know, it depends on how much they're focusing on the big that night. Um, he'll have games where he has like eight and eight points and like seven rebounds. And he'll have a game like he had just recently where he has like 33 points and 10 rebounds. But I don't think I don't think Rick Carlisle's team is a bad team. They are currently I mean, Carlisle, it's always had his teams overachieve and this is just no different. They're just oh, yeah, they're supposed to be. Oh, yeah, we got nobody. We're waiting to. Turner and Heald are instantly gone, and then all of a sudden, what is this um, spark of energy we have? Like, yeah, they, Halliburton, he can make threes. Buddy Heald, did you see the one where literally three seconds into the tip-off, Buddy Heald launches a three and makes it? Yeah, I didn't, you were like, oh, that was because they talked to him, and it was sort of an inside thing. It was just like, okay, that's just weird. <laughs> It, it like does look weird on camera. Then, like, like, why are you... Out of context, you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know? I mean, they, we've seen Dumber. We've seen Patrick Beverly do too small to people while he's down 20. You know? It, it was... Um, it just is just like this... Like, why should we take basketball seriously if this is what they're going to do off the bat? Like, oh yeah, I just got to shoot it through. What if he bricked it horribly? It's just like, why are we... Why are we even here? This is just like stuff shit you do at an all-star break. Right. Um, uh, and then there's the Nets. And the Nets are just streaking. Uh, they're on fire. Uh, they're an 11-game winning streak. It feels like none of the games outside of maybe that one against Milwaukee have been that competitive, to be honest. They've kind of distanced themselves in the second half of games. Uh, they are without Joe Harris because he's got knee pain. We'll see if that is uh, uh, important. But it's just – here's the thing that's weird, too, about the Nets. They don't offensive rebound. They don't get to the free throw line much, including Durant and Kyrie. They don't get to they, – they're not going to the free throw line as much as, say, like Giannis and Embiid and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They're just really efficient at running their offense when they get into the half-court set. Which was what we had said is just how are you going to stop them shooting? If they're hot and they're, they're firing on all cylinders – Oh, they're they're very dangerous. They are. There are. Uh, I think. But, I think their offensive efficiency is in the um is right now in the top ten. Their defense is in the top ten. I think they're also dialed in on defense. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say it was all Steve Nash's fault, but the numbers don't lie. Like they're just a much better team with Jacques Vaughn coaching them. Steve Nash was um, a part of it. When you, when you don't. <laughs> when you blatantly just obviously don't play for your coach and don't listen to him. Um, that is never a good sign, number one. And number two, Kyrie is just like, okay, I'll just be quiet now. I'll just play basketball. And then he's doing, oh, wow, yeah, he's still really good. Well, well he's not 
because Kyrie's problem is he always has to be the smartest person in the room. It's the I know everything you don't. I you know ha ha ha. Look at me, you're all fools. And then it started to bite him in the ass, and then cost him a ton of money. Yeah. And then okay, I'll just play basketball. I'll be quiet. He's on his character rebuild tour, but um. And then the other one I did notice it was very small though. Nick Claxton, six blocks in two different games. We I, I had, you know, called them out for a potential MIP, even though it's just gonna be another year of just um fake MIP where where SGA wins it and yeah, he he's taking the next level, but it should be the the award for somebody who's Oh, you mean you mean the George Mike and MVP? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and like you know, John. <laughs> Since George Mike uh, won so many MIP awards, Giannis winning. It's like, yeah, they don't deserve it. It should just be people who've become starters and have elevated from that middle to the top, not top to higher top. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, they're like. It's just been a lot of really star-heavy performances. I will say this for the Bulls, because you mentioned them. They're middle of the pack in the standings, but the games have been high on drama. Like, they they had that one where I think two of them involved uh, uh, one of your faves, uh, Ayo Desumu. So they play the Hawks, and Ayo Desumu gets a putback on a miss by DeRozan. I don't even want to get into the Hawks. There's rumors Nate McMillan might quit. Um, that's how bad that's gotten. Um they play the Knicks in the Garden. Uh, by the way, Pascal Siakam also had his career high, I believe, in um in in the MSG. So the Knicks are taking L's at home. But they lost also to the Bulls because DeRozan hit a and one late late in the game. Then they had this one against the Bucks. Did you see this one? No. Okay. The Bucks borderline choked. So Giannis had a crazy line in that game, but. They blew, I want to say, like a seven-point lead with a minute to go. And they try to do an inbound. They uh, DeRozan steals it. And DeSumo gets a dunk in right before Giannis can try to save the day to block it, to erase it. They go to overtime, and then DeRozan carries them in the overtime. So the Bulls have been sort of like having these dramatic games. But the record is still kind of like middling. They're they're tenth in the conference and they're sixteen and nineteen. Um, do you th- do you think you're seeing signs of life though from Chicago? It was funny because you know I didn't talk discuss this with you prior. I was gonna go right into Chicago Bulls and I uh, yeah. was gonna discuss the panic meter with you. So okay, perfect. I would say I would say timing. that is a response to their panic meter. I think they realized that things were going sour there. Not necessarily the coach or you know Zach Levine's tiff that was rumored that they had a locker room spat because he had criticized the team after they had a couple really bad losses. But I feel like they have responded to the to the BS. Um, there's another team that seems to be on the verge of a players only meeting that we could talk about on the panel. I think you got them on the panic. We'll, we'll get that. We'll, we'll get, get there the right panic. after this, but I would say for the bulls, the panic meter, it wasn't an eight. And now it's down to a six. Like, I think they feel good about where they are. I don't think they're elite, um, but they look at who's ahead of them, the Knicks and the Hawks, and they probably feel better than they do. But that's the thing is, they spent a lot of money last year to be not elite right now. And they have some problems. They do. Coming up. They do. Like, I mean, they're going to have a, they're going to have a slightly tough schedule coming up and um, well, a tough schedule. And they're going to, 
you know, it's one of those you don't foresee a big push coming from them. Like, oh, they can become a top four seed. It's just, oh, no, they're going to be middle to bottom of the pack play in game area seemingly for the rest of the year. Well, that's also because Lonzo balls out. But that I mean, that that kind of goes without saying, Um, you know, they're. There, there, there's there's just situations where you just lose a guy. Look at the Lakers with the Anthony Davis. You know, like Anthony Davis goes out, LeBron's got to carry him again. And carry, and LeBron just turned 38 years old. He can't keep doing that, you know? Yeah, like watching that Christmas game, it was just like you're watching. It's like, man, that's rough. Just the Lakers are just a bad team. LeBron goes trying. to the bench. LeBron goes to the bench and like Luka immediately destroys him. Yeah. You're just like, oh, fuck, that's... <laughs> yeah it's rough to watch because you know it's like watching the great like you know when um joe montana ended his career in kansas city it's just like man you used to be real good and you're i don't want to say team and- i can't say they're on the level when kobe was finishing up in his twilight with the lakers because that team was legitimately bad kobe knew they were bad but he still you know like all players would took the money in order to like finish up LeBron is still really good. Like he'll no, still Kobe, have. Yeah, Kobe took the money. Kobe was like, "I'm just going to shoot everything." He was never a good teammate to every. Like you said but about he was Jordan. Also inefic- but here's the difference: he was also very inefficient at the. In yeah, the that's end thing. Of his he, career. I'm going to keep being that. All you know, I'm going to keep being that guy. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to take 25 shots. Well, you probably shouldn't anymore. You should. LeBron needs to take the 25 shots. That's the difference. Yeah, because there's nobody else to do in this. Let's just pan over to AD on the sideline. He's not getting the benefit of the whistle like he used to. Like, he maybe averages like five or six maybe free throws a game. That's way down from his, like, career best. I mean, but his three-point shooting is okay. And, you know, he had, like I I said, he had that Hawks game where he went for 47, 10, and 9. I mean, turn back the clock. But, um, you know, yeah, they struggle. Like, where's your panic meter on the Lakers? The Lakers are, I don't know what they're doing. They're not going to go deep in the playoffs this year. It seems to be that way. They're 13th right now. Yep. I, I think they could probably will themselves into the play-in game and um, they'll try to do something. But I don't, like, there's going to be, no, they're not going to be in the Western Conference Finals. So the, the panic meter is, well, you still have these two future picks. Well, we should trade everything. We should do this and we should do that. It's like, yeah, but this season's already lost, kind of. We're at that point where... Nobody else is going to bring in any any haul. Any tr- nobody has trade value, so mm-hmm. you, Westbrook's going to expire. You got all the garbage. Just next year is your last possible year you could do it because then you know you have the the conspiracy theories where oh yeah you know LeBron's going to expose himself in the expansion draft when they give it to Vegas and he'll be drafted by Vegas so he can be the face of Vegas and. <laughs> I love it. Adam Murray is the one diving into the conspiracy theories instead of me first. This is fun. <laughs> I usually am the one who decides to go into fan fiction instead of you. Um, I will say this about LeBron. The last play against the Hornets where he blew his shoe out. That was funny. Yeah. He still he, got a good pass off, though. He did, but he just watched him. And he just he just looks sad. But, um, yes, moving on to the other panic meter. It was funny because it used to be the well trade for Luca that was a good deal. Atlanta, you know, Atlanta got the better deal. Then all of a sudden, well, Trey got his first coach fired. Now he wants to get the this current coach fired. Uh, reports are people, his teammates in the locker room, don't really like him. He's mm-hmm. always been a subpar defender due to his size, not no fault of his own. But 
Atlanta, they didn't want to give John Collins that deal. It was sort of one of those like, yeah, we have to because he's good. They just but... went to the conference finals. Yeah, and he had played. He basically overplayed his value. He was like, "Okay, we gotta, we gotta do something. We gotta do something. We gotta keep like when, when Miami picked up Hassan Whiteside way back when. Yeah. It's like we're good, but we're not thrilled with it. That's and a good comparison. Yeah, you, you sell the farm, their their small farm for for Dejounte Murray, and all of a sudden, well, we have John Collins, who's now like a fifth uh, option. I will say this, and I, it's similar to the Bulls. I think we made this comparison before, but I'll say it again. Um, when it comes to the Hawks, when they have DeAndre Hunter, who I think is out with something that I don't, I'm not sure about. When they have Capella, when they have Collins, DeJounte, and Trey, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, when they have them already, they're good. They're a good team. DeJounte's been, I think, a real a plus for them. If one of those people is out, which they're down right now, Capella and Hunter, they're not good. I mean, that's that's what I think the problem is with Atlanta. They have to be at full strength. And that's bad design by the GM. There's already rumors that I believe Travis Schlenk is basically being like demoted. Is that sort of the best way to put it? Being phased out. I think and Landry the... Fields. I remember Landry Fields as a player. Uh, when, and Landry Fields is now the GM, basically. Um, let me ask you this one. Uh, what about the Minnesota Timberwolves? I don't know. <laughs> I want to get close. Dude, it's like 8.5. It's getting bad. I don't, you can't blame Gobert. No, his lack of production is not, like in certain games, he has some great ones where he has. Like, his lack of production is based it's upon not the surprising. design. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not surprising. You take him from a, a pick and roll team where to a, to now this different style team. They're not utilizing his style, so he's just an odd fit currently. Yeah, and their offense is down because you are using Gobert a lot, and Gobert's not, you know, like you said, a, like a traditional role man. They don't really throw the ball to him ever, and their defense is slightly be- is better than they were last year. Like, it couldn't have been worse last year, but, like, they're middle of the pack because Gobert can't do everything, and none of the other teammates have really, like, upped their game by having Gobert with them. It's been basically they're middle of the pack in everything. That's what's wrong with Minnesota. They're just underachieving all around. It was supposed to be, well, we have these two guys, you know, Towns can go float around the three-point line. and Yeah, Towns' injury was a big hurt, too. Gobert will be just the the center fixture. And it's like, well, nobody's passing the ball. D'Angelo Russell's just not nothing major and it's Anthony Edwards team, but he's not really taking that next step of being that playmaker and and making everyone else around him better. So it uh, is panic, but it's they're They're still trying to square peg round hole it. And what can you really do if that's your strategy? Yeah, and I know the Utah Jazz are dropping games now. They're sort of falling to the mean. They're still, I don't think they're on the panic meter. I think you have to panic when you play against them because you always have your guard down, and then you wind up in a dogfight with them. I literally just saw a game where they played the Miami Heat, and Tyler Hero had to hit a running jumper just to get rid of them, you know? Oh, no. They're, they have two panic meters. They have their, you know, realistic one of, oh, no, we're doing way better. We got this young coach, first-year guy. We have no expectations for him. He's allowed to suck and win nine games. We don't care. 
But then yep. you have the internal Danny Ainge panic meter, which is ever increasing because we need to tank. Yeah. <laughs> I why aren't we tanking? I'm not, you know, I have all these guys. I got what I got Rudy Gay, I got Jordan Clarkson, I got Mike Connolly. These guys, their values are going down. Nobody's offering picks for them. What's going on here? I can't. I'm going to have to, I'm going to lose them. And yeah, that was the same thing happening in Boston is I got all these picks. I got all these picks. Okay. Well, who are you going to draft? Oh, we're going to get Romeo Langford. We're going to get Langford and Nesmith. Okay. So they're going to play behind Tatum and Brown. Where where are they going to get minutes? How are they going to develop? Um, yeah. Well, they're in a weird situation with Clarkson. Cause I, I want to say Clarkson has a player option coming up or he's in the last year of his deal. So basically like Clarkson, he's over, he's overplayed his value this year. He's been great. Like, but they're in a situation where it's like, can I trade him? Sure. Um, somebody will definitely want him. But if it, if, if it comes down to free agency, we have the cap room. But do I want to try to pretend like I want to keep this guy when I, in secret, want to actually tank? You know, it's a oh, yeah. weird situation. Clarkson has a player option. Um, yep. THT has a player option. He's not going <laughs> to exercise it because he's. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Rudy Gay has one. So you've got these three guys. Who are all just gonna walk and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna offer anything for him. And you got, you know, Mike Connolly's finally gonna be an expiring contract, so you could probably buy him out next year, but uh, and so what are you gonna do? Well, we're, we're, we're gonna haul these all these assets. So okay, now you've lost them. Do you want to hear a wild stat? So this you wanna hear the best uh, like among the the lineups that play like significant minutes, 30 minutes or more. Do you want to hear the one with the best net rating? Who? Conley, it's the Jazz. Conley, Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, and Kelly Olenek. That is the best net rating five-man lineup out there. It's even better than the than the than the the, the Golden State pool party. Yeah. Okay. I got nothing. <laughs> it's weird. Like like even the ma- well. Here's the thing. It could be an outlier because number three is the Magic with Terrence Ross, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bull Bull, and Wendell Carter Jr. Though though Orlando was on a run when we talked last. Now they've lost a few in a row, including one to the Lakers where LeBron had this absolutely amazing alley oop dunk. But um, but yeah, like that can be an outlier. It just shows that there are certain lineups that are working for even teams that are middle of the pack. Um. I did want to ask you this one if you wanted to finish up. Sort of a big picture topic about the Suns getting bought by Matt Ishbia, who's like a mortgage guy. I didn't re- I didn't find this out until much later. He actually played on the Michigan State team that won the national title in 2000. Did you know that? Yeah, why not? And we're just sitting here old and doing absolutely nothing. Oh, thanks a lot, dude. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, Matt Ishbia is now going to be the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. But that's not the important thing. No one cares about the the, the minutiae. This is the number, $4 billion. So we always talk about the Roy, the rookie of the year. There's the other Roy, ROI, return on investment. <laughs> so you had a decent point that you made to me when the sale happened. What was it? Oh, yeah, for $4 billion, I could see a couple other owners be like, you know what, I could get $4 billion today? Um that's pretty. That's a nice haul right there. That's a. I might want to. Might want to opt out of right there right now. When I heard the numbers in the rumor mill when it was when it was reported out that Sarver was going to sell the team, when I heard three point five billion, I thought mm, pump the brakes on that because Forbes has an annual franchise value ranking, and the Knicks had been ranked 
now listen the the sale you always get more than you than you um than what the value of it is that's the point of selling it you know but the but the Knicks were around 3 billion and i thought there's no way the suns are going to get sold for more than 3 billion they're not going to get sold more than what the forbes value of the new york knicks and the la lakers are well i was dead wrong because like they 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 just jumped up the value of literally every franchise in the NBA, and I think that was by design. Well, that's the you know there's only thirty thirty slots available, and most of them aren't going to be never ever touched or sold or anything. So yeah. I mean, yeah. and a lot of these have already a lot of these have happened like. Um, even if some of them happened a long time ago, like even the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets got sold in 2019. So I don't see a flip there. Like the Timberwolves, they just moved. I think Gail Benson is happy with the Pelicans. I'm just thinking about teams that would be potentially moved or exchange hands because, you know, they have an old car smell with the owner and they might be feeling froggy about selling them. And I can't really think of one. Like even the Celtics who were sold in 2002, they're they're about the same value as like the Lakers and the Bulls. They are not going to sell. You, you never know. Gail Benz could be like, I could get four billion for this little small market team because she'd probably get you know a cl- probably th- three to four. What about like Reins- I- what about Reinsdorf in Chicago? I don't because that's a that's, big market. That's team. what I'm looking at that I think is possible in the next five years. He's getting older. Maybe his son will t- inherit it like a lot of these owners do with their families. But I can see it. I can like, oh, you want you want the Bulls for six billion? Here you go. You never know. I mean, the it, Bus family, no. Joe Lakeup and Peter Goober in um in in uh Golden State. I don't know. I, I doubt it. And then there's James Dolan. And I think there's a lot of people in New York that would be rooting for that. Everybody then, wants him to sell. The number would be Adam, the number would be astronomical. It would be nobody would care. Everybody would be very happy to get rid of him. Um, nobody has been happy with him as an owner. Mm-hmm. The so. only other ones, the one that is going to happen, but no one, it hasn't been officially announced who's going to do it, is the Blazers. I think Jody Allen, Paul Allen's, uh, uh, I believe, widow, um, who, who owns it, I think she's going to sell. Like, I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, but I'm just I'm just spitballing. Like, what do you think is going to what do you think is the biggest consequence of the fact that the Suns got sold for a much higher number than than a lot of the trades expected? Well, we'll see how much Vegas and Seattle go for. You know, what's weird about that. And I don't want to get into too much minutia about it. The same guy uh, who is a CEO named Tim Luwiki. He um he's also the CEO of the Seattle Kraken. His he is part of a group that basically their their um their primary thing is building arenas and renovating them. Well, he is help he's trying to build an arena in Las Vegas and he renovated Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. So basically, this guy has tried to game the system so that whether or not they go to Las Vegas or Seattle, no matter what, he'll probably be the one who owns it. Pretty clever though, huh? I, I don't know why they're going to try to build an arena. They already have the T-Mobile arena where the uh, Golden Knights stay. Same exact thing. They got T-Mobile. They've got um, the MGM Grand. MGM Grand's not a bad arena. You know, um, you talk about, is that the one, is T-Mobile the one where the Golden Knights play? Yes. 
And then there's the Thomas and Mac, but that's not an NBA arena. They do preseason games there, but it's not in the summer league, but that's not an NBA arena, you know, but and, and the old Orleans arena where you get the, <laughs> the, the, what was it? The you, West were Coast tournament was... you were just in Vegas. So, you know, all these places, uh, Seattle, uh, climate pledge, actually me and Jordan just did AEW and we were talking about how they were going to be going there. Um, supposedly it's in really good shape now compared to like when the Sonics left. So that'll be kind of interesting. And then there's Mexico city. We talked about that on the last show, Adam, I still don't think it's going to happen. I really don't believe it. I don't think they're going to go international for the next franchise. I just don't see it. I don't see it either, especially because how are you going to get people who want to live in Mexico City? And what if we have another virus? Um, there's, not gonna, there's not going to be another virus because there, there's no Congress funding. So <laughs> that's sort of how you you'd sort of deal with it. Yeah, but um. But no, I mean, I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing about how the the it might be a game changer in terms of the numbers. I mean, it's almost similar to when Steve Ballmer bought him, bought the Clippers off of Donald Sterling, and the number at the time was like around two billion, and it like shocked people because that had been the estimated value of the Lakers going into that year in 2014, uh, and it was like, wow, these these these. These um, franchises are more valuable than we thought. The other thing it does, it pops the balloon of any potential talk from owners using it as a narrative in the CBA talks of, well, we're not making as much money as you. That is not going to work. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not going to work. These people are making money hand over fucking fist. Like, at the end of the day, the CBA talks, what it's going to be broken down to is not the 2011 conundrum of we need to constrict the economy of the NBA because uh, we're spending too much. It's going to basically be how much of a piece of the revenue pie can we get? That's what it's going to be. The league is a moneymaker. That's really what it's coming down to. That's all. Well, listen, we're not making money doing the show, but the league's doing well. You know, well, the league is making money because you know why? Because there's talent in the league, and if they, we have the new, because every once in a while you have you know between the generations you sort of have a lull where nobody's good. Oh no, here you have you know we mentioned Luca, Giannis, Tatum. It's ironic. It's it's ironic you say that. I had a conversation with a basketball friend about that, and he asked me, "What do you think? What do you think is the difference between the NBA now and the NBA in the past?" And I and I just thought right off the top of my head, and I said, "It's probably the most talented it's ever been. It's probably the most talented it's ever." Been. Would you agree with that? I don't know. Okay, because they had everybody was focused on superstars. Mm -hmm. You know, your team you couldn't leave. Now it's just. You have tons of talent, but think it's about, about the it. It's about the equations of the stars, like which ones can fact, which ones along with your bench can equate a championship, right? Yeah, because there were there were a few, you know, let's say the eighties. Mm -hmm. There were lots of teams that had nobody. It was yeah. very, you know, we have about eight teams that have superstars, and we're gonna focus all our energy and promos on them. Okay, now you could say, well, you got Bradley Beal in Washington. Yeah, he, nobody would care about him in a different era. Yeah. He's not, you know, we got even just like somebody like SGA. Oh, he's awesome. He's scoring three. Yeah, but he's on a bad team, so we don't focus on bad teams. 
So yeah. the, the superstar era of the 80s was, oh, no, you have to be one of the best in the league and your team has to be good. You just can't be a stat gobbler. Yeah, and I think the big difference now is that um, you can thank Sam Hinkie for this one. Losing has become a philosophy like at, or a strategy. It wasn't. I know that it was gimmicked in back in the NBA draft days in the in the 80s, in the 70s, that if you had the worst record, you got the you got the top pick automatically well in the nfl they do the same thing and i do not believe nfl teams tank so like i think that this there's a strategy now to losing games or intentionally nfl teams do tank now well okay i'll take that back (laughs) but my point is that there's a much more like nuanced strategy of like we don't have to be good and we can still get away with it because we make so much money you know, in the 80s, when it was nickel and diming, it's it wasn't as easy to do. In the 90s, I will say this. There was more talent coming in. You saw that with the Dream Team. But, like, look at Run TMC. They made the playoffs. You know, you could you could sniff out the bad teams in the 90s a mile away. Because if you look at the rosters, you're like, oh, yeah, not good, not good, not good, not good, not good. <laughs> you know, whereas in the NBA, I agree with you. Like, you look at the Thunder. Thunder are bad. Jay Gills Alexander's awesome. You know, um, Toronto, they're kind of middle of the pack. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet are pretty freaking good. They won an NBA championship as well, Fred Van Vliet wasn't even drafted, and Pascal Siakam was 23rd or 28th pick. And well, just going back fine, to but the, they become good players. You know, you look at them now, and they're good. And just going back to the tanking, tanking works, you have to still hit on your draft picks. Let's just look at Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Okay? You have that stretch. If you recall, you know, uh, yeah, Devin Booker, he was a lot the end of the lottery, 13th pick. Okay, yes. so that's when things started to turn. After that, I recall you had Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Um, Marquise Chris. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and then I think pick. after that was Josh Jackson, right? The following year was Josh Jackson. And then after that, they were so bad, they got DeAndre Ayton with the first pick. So... Aiden, yeah, he's he's got his rookie max deal and or not rookie max, but he has a rookie, you know, he has a good deal. Yep. Bender, Chris, and Josh Jackson, I believe, are all out of the league currently. Yeah, Josh Jackson, I do not believe is on a team. No, right. he is not, he is, he is not on a team. Dragon Bender is back in Europe, and Marquise Chris is just the ten day contract king. I believe I thought he was in Dallas, but he was part of that. That Dallas dump trade. He was part of that crazy thing where nobody got retained with trade. Yes, Oklahoma City, we're going to trade eight players and we're just going to cut them all. Cut all of them, right? (laughs) But, uh, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, I I think you make a good point there where, like, drafting is super-duper important. I think Masai Ujiri has made singles throughout his career as a GM, not only in Denver but in Toronto. Like, that's why he's such a valuable asset now people want him like gm has become we talked about this in the offseason like gm has become a superstar role where like you can make really good money tim Connolly in minnesota <laughs> he got the richest contract ever for a gm and i don't think he's taking victory laps right now so like i mean that can change the narrative can change on an executive really really fast but yeah like it's really important how you put the team together and and i do think that the Luxury tax being exponentially, um, uh, like the the punishment tax is going to be increased uh, over time, and I think that's going to be a big part of it too. You can't just retain 
big it's not gonna be a hard cap but it's gonna be a harder cap whereas like you can't just retain awesome players and pay them boatloads of money and eat the tax because if you do that you're gonna be eating so much tax that the owner's gonna try to get out from under it look at the hawks the hawks are getting out from under john collins because they're too expensive now to be a middling team yeah you know, it's no longer worth it. Whereas Golden State, oh yeah, we we don't care what the tax bill is because we're still until they lose, until they lose, and then exactly it's, right, 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 and it's like there you go. Um, well, what are you looking forward to? I know that they got um Christmas, uh, not the Christmas stuff. Wow, uh, but they got the ABC slate coming up now that football's getting out of the way and college football. They did we we're we're taping on New Year's Day. Happy New Year! But they just had that wild college football playoff one. They're gonna have their national title and like like about a week between TCU and Ohio state, but, um, wait, is it TCU? No, it's TCU in Georgia. I'm crazy. But, um, like, what are you looking forward to with the uh, NBA slate now that they kind of like get the other stuff out the way, the football's out the way. Nothing. Nothing. Because the NBA slate always shows the same. ABC shows the same six teams. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to see the Miami heat and the Lakers play every game. Well, it's the bucks and the heat on the 14th. So that's the one that that's the thing is just, oh, well, I remember in previous seasons, we've gone through the ABC schedule. Oh, they're 18. I don't want to see Philly every week. I don't want to see, again, Miami. I don't want to see the Lakers because they're on like. And also the talent level so good that you see a good matchup pretty much every night. Like, I don't think anybody was saying, oh, you need to watch that Mavericks Knicks game. It just happened. Like, you know, randomly awesome performances have. There is one that I'll earmark for you, Adam. Uh, the Celtics go to Dallas to play the Mavericks on TNT on Thursday, the 5th. That might be a game people pay attention to because a lot of people think Tatum and Doncic are front runners for the MVP. And we are very close to that level with Luka where we are on the Luka watch. Where, like, when Kobe got the 81 points, and you're like, ooh, what's he going to do next? We're getting to that point now with Luka Doncic where it's like, what the hell is this dude going to do? You know? I wouldn't be surprised. Just one game. Like, you know what? Just go for it. Go for it. See if you can get 100. See if you get 80 or something. Just go out. Kobe. It worked for Kobe. Like, if you gave Luka Doncic 50 shots, I don't know about I don't know about Luka. Luka's field goal percentage isn't, the, isn't as great as people think. That's his biggest weakness along with free throw shooting. But, like, if you gave that to Joel Embiid, if you gave Joel Embiid 50 shots, he could probably get to 80 points. I'll just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, again, happy new year. Happy new year. Um, Well, we're not done yet. I mean, 2023 finals, you had the champion as Milwaukee. I had LA Clippers. How are you feeling? They're still both in it. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Clippers are dead. I like, I mean, Kawhi's playing more. They're good. You know, and Milwaukee (laughs) is fine. It's we're, we're, we're just at the point where the season started and, the players start caring, so contracts are guaranteed now too, so we can trade these assholes. <laughs> well, then the the excitement will will perk up of as everything starts getting shifted around. So, right, right. all right. So for Andrew Reich, I'm Adam Murray. Have a good one. Take care.